Hey guys, welcome to the Marketing Blender. All right, we are talking about one of me and Daisy's favorite and most frustrating topics, the biggest wastes of money in B2B marketing. And we have five, five massive, potentially big fat money wasters. So I'm super excited about this one, Daisy. Me too. Every client that we work with wants to get more out of their existing budget and everybody has a tight budget. So this is an area where nobody can afford to ignore the biggest wastes of their money. Yes, exactly. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Now, I think people are going to be super surprised by our first one because the first one we identified as the biggest waste of money is drumroll digital marketing. Absolutely. But, but, so talk, like, like share with everybody, why did we pick digital marketing as number one? Digital marketing is an area where every B2B company needs to be spending, but because it's very complicated, if you're not spending money the right way, or if your tactics and your strategies are misaligned, or if you haven't taken the time to optimize on an ongoing basis everywhere that you're spending on digital, you're absolutely going to waste money. And that could be in your Google ad campaigns, that could be what you're running on social media. Uh, there are so many different ways that you can just be leaking money because it's easy to take a set it and forget it attitude with digital and that never ever works. It never works. It doesn't work for business to consumer. It can't work for B2B, period. And I think that's the thing is people just think, oh, turn it on. No, there is a specific strategic approach to who are you targeting and who is on social media platforms where you're identifying to go after people and interrupt them with intriguing messaging and creative. But if you're on Google, it's what are they asking? And you meet them where they are and you investigate what questions do they type in and what language and what words do they use to research your product, not just what you want to say. And you're right, the optimization is, I mean, for some of our accounts every day, every single day in the accounts, turning things on, turning things off, watching the data and making improvements to get more for your money. It's very tempting to let Google do the work for you. They're always offering to optimize your ads for you. In the B2B space, we have found that absolutely does not work. It's a very dangerous thing to do. And the other thing to remember is that Google's forecasting, for example, is just their best guess about how things are going to go. And they probably have a better idea than you do of what may happen, but they actually don't know. So if you're not in your ads account and finding out what the data is showing you in real time as you're testing different ideas and concepts and landing pages and calls to action, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to make things work better. Yes. And some people will know this, but just in case, you guys, there are projections on Google that tell you what they think. If you spend X amount in your industry and based on these keywords, this is what you'll get for that. And those should be benchmarks. So if you are working with a digital marketer or an agency who is not giving you those projections, ask for them because they are in there. And this is a huge, huge miss. And it's unfortunate because so many people can be taken advantage of because they don't know what to ask because digital marketing continues to get more complex. So it's not a vending machine. You don't put a quarter in and get a soda out. Yeah. Well stated. Absolutely. This ad is brought to you by the marketing blender. As you guys know, I'm a fractional CMO, and actually at the Marketing Blender, there's a whole team of us. For a fraction of the cost of a full-time executive, you can hire a chief marketing officer 
to write your marketing plan, to clean up your messaging and your positioning, and to drive sustainable results. We oversee multiple partners. We help mentor team members. And most importantly, we build a marketing machine that will drive results for your company for years to come. If you're curious about what this looks like, and some of our engagements go from a couple months to a couple years, check out themarketingblender.com. Number two on our list, we're going to stay in the technology range and it's tech stack bloat. So this is a little bit of marketing jargon, but technology, the CRM, the automation system, the social media scheduler, the tracker, the data reporter, the blip, 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 like, and it's just that tech stack, which is what we call it in marketing. And has anybody looked at whether or not it's being used, used appropriately, (laughs) um, you know, so talk to me about what you see with just over, just oversubscribing to millions of brilliant technology programs. I think this really comes down to people who are chasing tactics. They'll add a new piece of technology for each new tactic that they think they should be doing. So they're not looking at their technology as an ecosystem of goals they're trying to accomplish and aligning the technology with the goals. Instead, they're saying, well, do we have an email service provider? Wait, now we need to have the CRM piece. Wait, do we have dashboards? Where do we get those from? Do we use this or that or the other social media scheduling tool? So they're just tacking stuff on. So they're not thinking up front about all of the things that they will be doing in the future. And it does take a forward-looking viewpoint to anticipate some of those things and technology is changing all the time. So I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, but if you think that just fixing a a problem or capture an opportunity right now with technology means that it's going to be a good spin going forward. It's usually not. Yeah. And I see this in particular with organizations, for example, that might have a CRM for sales and a CRM for marketing, which is insane to me but I see it literally all the time. And they're usually not making the best use of either one of those. Nobody within the organization actually understands fully how to use them. They're always paying for expensive outside consultants to come in and figure stuff out. When if they looked at what they're actually trying to accomplish with both sales and marketing, most of it can be done within a single system. Yeah. You just have to invest the time. And this is a place where you can't invest money instead of time because the technology is only an outpouring of what your people and your processes do. So if you don't invest the time, it doesn't matter how smart your consultant is, they can't fix broken processes around how the technology or the software is being used. You know, the other thing is that what I see is people turn on the technology and then there's a someday list. Oh, someday in phase two, phase three, phase four, we'll optimize this, turn it on, mature the system. I don't know about you, but I, maybe one out of 10, one out of 15 clients that we work with actually engage intentionally on the some days, the phase two, phase three to get their technology really working. But instead what I see is, I'm going to pick on HubSpot for a minute just because it's so recognizable, but I'll see somebody get in there and say, say they're using part of the HubSpot functionality and then they don't like how the email system works as an example. And they will literally turn on MailChimp. So they will pay for an entire additional service, MailChimp, constant contact, something that makes them more comfortable from a user experience. And so now there's all of these subscription dollars going out the door for redundant things that you already have, but there's no way to optimize it and get it working how it needs to. And now those systems won't talk to one another. So you can't connect the data and what's happening with the buyers. 
Absolutely. And just to pile on a little bit with HubSpot, one of the things that frustrates me so much is seeing small businesses and startups that are paying for way more functionality than they actually need or will conceivably need within the next three to five years. Yeah. And every time you want to add another piece in HubSpot, well, that's another $10,000, another $20,000. And there are systems that are much less expensive that actually offer you a whole lot more in terms of functionality across sales pipeline and marketing and email and you can do social media management, and you can do analytics. Uh, we use SharpSpring here at Blender, which is a good example, about $500 a month, yeah. and it has almost everything that you need. You're never going to find a perfect CRM. All of them have stuff that you're going to love and hate, yeah. but it makes it a lot easier when you're sticking within one system instead of trying to cobble together several major systems in order to get your business where it needs to be. Absolutely. And I was counting the other day, I think last year we managed t over 12 different automation systems, just the automation system that didn't count all of the additional technology that was glommed on to each of those. So yeah, SharpSpring hands down my favorite. Absolutely. But in light of that, we have used them all. We continue to manage them yes. all. And you're so right. Making a decision a time investment and being really clear, what is this supposed to do for us? Huge, huge, huge. And <laughs> calm down the chaos, yes. calm down the complexity. Yes. A CRM is really just as important as an ERP for your organization. It should have the same amount of thought put into it. Amen, sister. Yes. Because by the way, if you ever ask for lead generation, we will ask you first, do you have a CRM and do you use it? Because that's actually a prerequisite to sophisticated and aggressive lead generation systems. So is. just a side note, if somebody's not asking you that question, you ain't, you ain't going to get what you're, what you're hoping for. Okay. okay. So the next one I have on our list, oh, buying lists, buying sales or contact lists. You have any clients doing this? This one? I mean, you can see it makes me start twitching. Like, I'm going to go buy a $15,000 list. Now, I'm going to pick on Zoom Inflow only because they're the big name. I'm not saying those lists are garbage. I'm saying people don't have a plan for how they are going to use them and legally what they're allowed to do with them. Hello, you cannot cold email people anymore. That's actually illegal and it will get you kicked off of different systems. But I mean, some of these lists are expensive to the tune of 15,000 and more and more and more. And, and then they just sit there for absolutely no ROI and no action items on them. They do. And I have to say, I give credit to my clients. They're starting to ask smart questions before they buy those lists. Nice. And the question they ask is, have you ever seen this work for anyone? Does cold emailing actually work for anyone? And I have to tell them, I have never seen it work. Yeah. A couple years ago? Um, I know a CMO who was brilliant at cold outreach, both in LinkedIn as well as cold email. Now, it was a sales enablement system. I want to clarify that this was not mass blast people and just spam people. But guess what? No matter how well written those emails are, they don't work at all anymore, period. So I'm, I'm with you. I haven't seen it work in years. It's great to have an understanding of who your target market is, what's the opportunity size. There are lots of ways you can use market insights in order to build strategy, but just buying a list and hoping that those are leads, they're not leads. Yeah. If you have a sales team that are truly hunters, not gatherers, 
but truly hunters, maybe, right? If you have a call center that is outbound, maybe. Um, but generally speaking, if you're using things to do interesting lookalike audiences, and this is where I would need to pull in a digital marketer to validate like how well you can use those, maybe. But I'm, I just kind of want to give some examples of these are the type of tactics and approaches that you already have to have in mind before you buy a list because that list is just going to collect dust. And you mentioned people spending $15,000 on a list. Imagine what we can do with $15,000 to actually get people set up <laughs> with marketing. And it, it's all about the strategy and about picking the right things to do instead of just paying for information and hoping that that turns into sales. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, so number four on the list, trade shows. Trade shows. Flush, money going down the toilet. All right. This ad is brought to you by the Marketing Blender Lab. Marketing is hard for everyone, but small businesses are stuck with small budgets, not enough time, and too many options. SEO, social, paid ads, email marketing, live events. How do you choose where to focus? These are the top challenges I hear from entrepreneurs. You keep getting generic marketing advice that doesn't apply to your business. You've watched tutorials and tried a bunch of tactics that didn't work. You still don't have clarity on what you should focus on to get results. You don't have enough time to get marketing done. And maybe you've worked with freelancers or agencies that have let you down. You can get expert advice and start making real progress. The Marketing Blender Lab gives you an affordable way to work with an experienced chief marketing officer and finally get a handle on your marketing. We help you figure out how to reach your target audience and get more customers, what to focus on so you stop wasting time and money, and how to delegate effectively so you don't have to do it all yourself. Join me in the lab and let's figure out how to grow your revenue faster. Trade shows. You do a lot of work with clients on trade shows. So um, for you, why did this land on the list as biggest waste of money? Because I get to see so many budgets and I see 40, sometimes 50% of the entire annual marketing budget being spent on a handful of giant expos or conventions or trade shows or conferences, et cetera, et cetera. And these clients are still tiny fish in a giant pool in those arenas. And the chances that they're going to have more than maybe a couple of dozen meaningful conversations is, is very low. It's not a primary lead generation tactic. And because there are so many exhibitors at these events, it's not even that great for brand awareness. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, I'm not saying trade shows never work. But it just takes a lot of work. And anybody that's ever tried to organize or participate in a trade show knows what we're talking about, like the amount of logistics and attention that goes into it. But you talked about the cost and, you know, 40, 50, 60%. I agree. I see that so frequently. And typically when you dive deeper, they are not including the cost of travel. They are not including the opportunity cost or the, the labor cost of their expensive salespeople or their leadership being at a trade show, meaning completely out of pocket on their day-to-day -day impact on the business. Um, and they may or may not be counting all of the print costs, all the swag, all of the other stuff. Just depends on what budget it's pulling from. So the costs are astronomical. And you do a really great job of choreographing in the booth. Like, do you have a plan? What are you going to talk about? You know, um, is there a clear idea of 
what success looks like if you do have a meaningful conversation. And one of the other things I like, but again, takes a lot of investment in time, attention, and money is I've worked with a number of clients where we got, we went beyond the booth, right? So is there a restaurant right across the street that everybody hangs out with? Can you put advertisements in their bathroom or on the, on the tables or on the TVs or on some of the local places that people are going to go in if they're traveling to a trade show? Like, can you have a presence? Can you, do you have the budget to throw a party and build real relationships and have real conversations because you're just being human? And you know, I mean, and, and you have to make a commitment that this is about relationship building in those scenarios, not selling. That's for the trade show floor or promoting or whatever. But again, you have to have an idea. So I think people would be surprised at what it takes to truly, truly drive sales qualified leads and especially sales qualified leads that will close that quarter, let alone that half. Because man, tracking the ROI in a trade show, ooh, I mean, I, I mean, even for the biggest budgets, we see what three SQLs, four after a trade show where they just spent fifty thousand dollars, and you know, for some companies that's okay, but not not for all of them. Very true. I will say that we are ourselves planning to do a number of different expositions and conventions this year, but they all have one thing in common: we get to talk. Yeah, we get to present a workshop or a keynote to an audience on a topic that we know because we've tested it multiple times over the past six months is going to attract attendance and that it's going to give people a push in the right direction. And there's an, a plan for follow-up so that we're turning that opportunity instead of, hey, maybe a few dozen people come by my booth and have a meaningful conversation into I'm going to be talking to 50 people or 75 people and I'll, I'll have that captive audience that then has a, a clear next action step. So it's not just hoping people show up. I can tell you that trade shows, it's like a, a giant beauty pageant. And you're never going to be the most glamorous people <laughs> in the show. Look at me. There are always going to be people outspending you yep. and, and using things to, to drive more attention to them. So if you want to get attention, bring your thought leadership and bring value so that you it, you can make the most of an opportunity to get the right people in the right room. Absolutely. It's so funny. There's a part of me that's so excited. You shared that. And there's a part of me that's like, shh, don't give away our best secrets. <laughs> but I guess that's what we, why we agreed to do the show in the that's first right. place was to share our secrets. So. <laughs> okay. I love it. Okay. And then the last one that I had on our list. Oh boy. All right. Here, like, this is a little like cringe, cringy. Hiring the wrong people. Big, huge waste of money. We see so much marketing churn and sales team churn from our clients. And, you know, to brag on some of our, like, well, most of our clients, I mean, these are highly purpose-driven, mission-aligned companies where they are trying to drive culture really intentionally. They're not churning people on purpose. They're not chewing them up and spitting them out. Right. And they still really, really, really struggle to keep and find the right talent. It's true. And honestly, the clients that I work with who are attempting to hire in marketing, they have great culture. And sometimes I almost think that that's a, it can create some blind spots mm. because they believe the best in people. And there's a lot of hope and optimism because they're used to working with excellent people because that's what their team is made of. Yeah. 
And so it's a little harder sometimes to understand what do I need to do to qualify someone? What are, you know, what are the right questions to ask? How can I put somebody through their paces before they're a full-time hire so that I don't end up with regret? And remember, marketers are good at marketing. Salespeople are good at selling. These are people that interview well. So it takes even more due diligence when you're hiring for roles where people are really good communicators. I agree. You know, I think sometimes CEOs or senior leadership can accidentally cause confusion for people um, and set them up for failure. And by all means, not intentionally. But we've talked about this on a previous show where you can't say we want revenue growth and we want to maximize profit in the same sentences all the time. Because sometimes, you know, you have to invest in growth, which then can have a profit impact. But if you're communicating that message in different places in your organization. Or another one could be, we need leads, we need leads, we need leads. But then literally five minutes later, the CEO is saying thought leadership. Whoa. Those are very different resource allocations. They have very different metrics and outcomes and impacts on your sales and marketing pipeline. And so you, you are accidentally directing a marketer's attention to the wrong places if there's not aligned communication, aligned semantics, and aligned understanding around like what tactics drive what outcomes. Because a marketer, let's be honest, they want to drive outcomes, but they want to get not fired. (laughs) They're they're number one. And this is true for any full-time person. Their number one metric is don't get fired. Keep my job right? And so if you're creating a scenario where they're more in survival mode than outcome mode, that can be really, really difficult for people. And that's a really good point about what is it you're trying to accomplish with your marketing? Because a lot of times I'll see people hire a good person or even a great person, but it's not the person they need to fix the marketing problem that they have. Yeah, They're not aiming that higher at where the gap is. Yes. And guys, marketers are not marketers. There's not, there's no clear definition of what a marketer is anymore because there's so much specialization and niche specialization appropriately. So in marketing, because it's just a complicated, complex marketing landscape that we live in and work in now. And so I think that's really important for people to understand is if you think you're going to get somebody that's great at digital and great at copy and has a little bit of graphic design and thinks strategically, bless your heart. Like that's why teams are important. No marketing unicorns. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So one way to think about who your next marketing hire should be really revolves around what is it that you need and what do you need on a full-time basis? So if your company has no strategy, maybe you have a, a marketing manager or director, somebody who's good at getting things done, but they don't have the time or they don't have the level of experience to actually set the strategy but you're in a growth period where a full-time market uh, CMO, for example, makes sense, that might be your hire. If it's not a full-time role, remember, fractional works just fine too. If you have someone who is just stressed and overwhelmed, again, that a lot of companies we work with have a marketing manager who's in that position. Sometimes the best hire that you can make is some kind of capable admin who can do the the nitty-gritty, just get this stuff out the door reasonably error-free and doesn't need a whole lot of oversight to get it done. So that it's an immediate relief for the person who's got the to-do list that goes on forever. Um, And then there's the the option of hiring a specialist. So if you know, based on your strategy, that 
a number of your core tactics revolve around, for example, digital marketing, then hiring a digital marketer who has the expertise across the platforms where you're looking to sell does make sense. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be somebody who has domain experience in your industry. This is another thing I see people hiring for in marketing when it doesn't make sense. People who are gurus at what they do, really highly specialized, they can learn your industry. Yes. You're not yes. going to find somebody who just knows your industry and expect them to learn how to be a pro at Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever else you're trying to do with digital marketing. Much easier to take someone who understands the complexity of the digital marketing platforms and bring your specific personas and your specific, specific target market to the table for them to work with. Could not agree more. I absolutely love that. You know, one other thing that comes to mind for me is, um, especially when you're talking about what type of person what level of experience, what problem are they solving? You know, it goes again back to the role of understanding um, of the leadership or the person that's going to manage or oversee that role. And there's a very big difference between abdicating responsibility around marketing and its outcome in your company versus delegating responsibilities to specific people like admins where they can, uh, you know, clearly and confidently do certain tasks. And then there's a difference between transferring ownership where you really, really need someone to be accountable for the outcomes and they are capable of owning how do we do it? How do we manage this? How do we structure? And so it is like those different levels and it depends on the size of your company, the resources that you're capable of hiring, whether that is fractional or in-house or combination of those. But, you know, I mean, just, just having some awareness around what do you need to do is really important. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, oh, and you had an amazing live. So we need to put that in the show notes about delegating marketing responsibilities. How and to so, delegate marketing without losing your mind. Yes. And so we need to link that for the show notes for everybody. So you guys, thank you so much. Would love to hear the big waste of money that you guys have experienced or what you think we should have. Also send us your questions. This helps give us some additional content. And if you liked what you heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time on Word and Upward. We hope you learned something today that will help you succeed with your marketing. And if you liked what you heard, definitely give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. Don't forget to check the show notes. We're sharing free tools and resources there. And you guys, we would love to hear your comments. So drop one in or send us an email and maybe we'll use your topic on a future show.